Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. So good to see you guys all up in here. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. That's coming up this week. If you don't know that, you should look at your calendar and get some turkeys or something. So that's a good idea. Um, Yeah, hey, I am really, really excited, really honored to bring the word this morning. Thank you, Pastor Kurt, for trusting me with this. Uh, This truly is um, one of the greatest honors to especially to bring this specific word that I'm going to bring today. As um, Pastor Kurt said, we are looking at, um, we're in a series of Builders of the Wall, is what, what the name of it is. It comes out of Nehemiah 3, and it's when the exiles come back to Jerusalem, and they're rebuilding the walls and reconstructing these gates. And we're focusing in on 10 gates mentioned in the book of Nehemiah. And, um, and we're, we're comparing them to a church that would have these gates open. That's how we're going to have a healthy spirit church. Okay. So let's do a quick review just to get all of our heads on the same page. And if you've missed any of these, you can go back and review. So, all right, we got, we got our map up. We're going to start up the sheep gate up at the top, kind of on your right. And actually this is going to go counterclockwise. So the sheep gate, what was the sheep gate? The sheep gate is a church who cares for the spiritual needs of its sheep, of the people. It's very pastoral, right? We want to love our people. We want to take care of every person in this room. Okay, and then we move on to the fish gate. The fish gate, fishers of men, speaks about evangelism, right? We don't just want to be a little click, all happy and cozy in here. We want to get those people in here. Let them experience the Lord, right? Amen. All right, and then we move down to the old gate. Pastor Emily brought an incredible word um, with the old gate. She brought the, she talked about how the zealous, we want the young, we want the zealous, we want the on fire, we want the passionate. But just as much, we need the wise. We need the older generation, okay? You balance it out. Wise, older generation, we love you, we value you, and we desperately need you. Okay, I just want you guys to know that. Okay, moving down, we got the valley gate. Valley gate, that talks about the, the downsides, the, um, the broken and low places that sometimes we find ourselves in that we go through, but oftentimes what the world is going through. Okay, we want to be a church that brings them in and helps them to keep moving through, not stopping. You don't stop in the valley, you keep walking. Okay, and then we talked about the dung gate. That was fun. You guys know what you guys remember what the dung gate was? Getting rid of all the filth and the yucky yuckiness. Pastor Kurt actually renamed it and called it the deliverance gate. Sounds a little more appealing, doesn't it? Okay. And then last week, oh, I loved last week. Last week we talked about the fountain gate. And that's um, we want to be a church that has the outpouring and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He answered our call this morning, didn't he? Oh my gosh. I'm like, do I even need to get up and talk today? Can we just end there? It was so powerful. Such a good word. Okay, well, that's going to bring us to our next gate, which is the water gate. All right, let's make it legit. Let's, let's make it real first. Okay, come on. <laughs> All right, we got to legalize it here. Let's read Nehemiah 3 to give us some context before. it. Wa- yeah, we'll go there in a minute. All right. Uh, Nehemiah 3, beginning in verse tw- in the middle of verse 25 and, and all of 26, it says, next to him, Pedaiah, son of Parosh, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, made repairs up to the point opposite the water gate toward the east and the projected, projecting tower. 
Okay, I'll tell you, as you all were laughing, with the Watergate, it is not. It is not Richard Nixon in the 70s and that crazy scandal. When Pastor Kurt asked me to preach and I started doing like some research on that, I'm like, all I could get on the Watergate, all I could get was Richard Nixon. I learned way more than I ever did in school. And I'm like, Lord, you got to bring this together. You got to make this holy. There's got to be something here. But we are not talking about that. Okay, so what is the Watergate? What is the Watergate? Well, to find the answer to that, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. Mm. And to present her to himself, a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We get to talk about the word of God today. Holy cow. I love the word. I love the word that Pastor Brett brought up. He said, we're going to go back to some elementary foundational things. That's the word. That is the word of God. Word of God is not boring. The word of, of God is powerful. It's transformative. It will rock your world. And that's what we want him to do. We want him to talk about the word. Okay, so I want to focus in on that washing with the water through the word. Let's talk about washing for a minute. How many of you are parents in this room? Should be the majority of you. Okay, I want you to remember going back to um, the birthing and delivery time when you had a baby, when you had your first baby or whatever. Okay, and you have that baby and you, you bring it up to your chest and you're just like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. You're the cutest little thing in the face of the planet. You just love you, love you, love you, right? And then the nurse comes and takes that baby away and clean it all up. And then they, they do what they're so professional at doing. They swaddle that baby. And you're like, I will, how on earth? They spend like a semester, I promise, in school just learning how to swaddle because I never got that done and I have four babies. Um, and then they bring it back to you. And I'm curious if any parent in this room, when the nurse handed that baby back to you said, I've washed it, it's clean, it never needs another bath for the rest of its life. Anybody in the room? No, that baby's going to poop. That baby's going to pee, spit up. Like just in a few days, you're going to need to bathe that baby. The same is true about us. It's the word washing. It's a continual process. It doesn't just happen at the time of salvation. That is an example of washing. But we need to be, in a, again, in a continual process in the word of God. In fact, that word washing, it says bathe. It's like a bath. It's like a lingering process. It's not quick. Okay? Like we need to go back to that, remembering how powerful the word is and, and just how peaceful and wonderful it is. Any of you like to take hot baths? Okay, I do. I know a lot of people are like, no way. Okay, but a lot of times it's not, it's just because I just love the peace of it. I love to just sit in there think about the Lord. But there's other reasons for taking baths, aren't there? Sometimes, sometimes to get gunk off of us, we need to take baths. My little almost two-year-old niece, Zelda, somewhere around here, she comes over every once in a while and she's learned how to color. Color? And so I'll go to like change her diaper or whatever and like all over her stomach she's colored. Okay? Like, it's like there's these markers or pens or whatever. Right? Sometimes to get that stuff off, you need to soak you need to soak a little bit. 
Sometimes there are things that try to attach to us. We need to get them off. What about wounds? You got to tend to a wound. You got to care for a wound or else it's going to get infected. And sometimes you have to soak that wound a little bit. How about voids? What do I mean by a void? Maybe the loss of a loved one. Maybe the loss of a relationship. Maybe the loss of a job that abruptly took place. Leaves an empty hole in your life, in your, in your heart, right? You need to bathe in the word of God to walk through that. I have an older brother. He's 18 months older than me. And when we were about five or six years old, um, he would have been probably seven, he got his ankle stuck in the spokes of a bicycle tire. It's, yeah, gross, right? It literally dug out a hole in his ankle. And my mom takes him to the doctor and she's like, what do I do? And the doctor's like, well, there's no flesh. We're not stitching anything up. There's literally a hole. And the way that you're going to have to to treat this so infection doesn't set in is to wrap it, keep it covered. But two to three times a day, you need to soak that ankle in water. You need to soak it in there. And it was not fun. It was not a fun experience to be in that household. I would go into my room. It's when I got my salvation. Because I would hear my brother like screaming bloody murder. And my mom's like, this is good for you. We have to do this, right? Same thing is true about the word of God. It may not be comfortable when we have voids, when we have wounds, we have to forgive. But the best thing we can do is soak ourselves in the word of God. I love that when we looked at that uh, map, that the valley gate sits directly across from the word gate. The way you're going to get through the valley is by staying in the word of God and keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's how you're going to walk successfully through a valley. I promise you. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Let's see where we're at. Okay, let me say this real quickly too. The word of God is to cleanse and purify us, right? Cleanse and purify us. It's never to drown us. It's never to drown us. Don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid of approaching him. Even if he has to rebuke or have a hard conversation with you, it's never to bash his word over your head. And in the same way he treats us, we need to treat other people. Never, ever drown people. How do I know that's true? Because in Ephesians 5, Jesus said he's, he did this. He's washing his bride with the water of the word to what? to make her pure and spotless so he can come back for his bride. He's not coming back for a dead bride, maybe dead in the flesh, but he wants a beautiful, spotless bride. All right, in the Old Testament, let's talk about the Old Testament. Let's do a a history lesson here. In the Old Testament, do you know that God spent about five, maybe not quite that many, but books of the Bible to describe the tabernacle on earth, how he wanted to give direction to it. He wanted how he wanted it constructed, how we were supposed to operate, the priests were supposed to operate in it. Books of the Bible. Literally, creation was told to us in two chapters of one book. When his presence was going to come to earth, he was very specific. And we're not under the law, praise the Lord. We talked about that during worship. We, Pastor Ben talked about that. We're not under the law anymore. But oftentimes we can look at the, new, at the Old Testament and apply it to our lives and see what truth the Lord has to say to us. So looking at the tabernacle, I want to focus on one area. When, um, when the Lord told Moses, I think it's in Exodus like 30 and 38, um, when he was telling him, this is what I want the layout to be. In this area where the tabernacle would be, he's like, I want the tent of meeting over here. 
The tent of meeting is going to be where the Ark of the Covenant is. It's going to be where my presence is going to dwell. It's a very holy, holy place. And then on the opposite side, I want an altar there. And that's where the priests are going to have, make sacrifices and things like that. The key is what takes place right in the middle, right between them. And this is what um, the bronze laver, or the, there's many names for it, the brazen laver, the bronze basin, this was placed right between the tent of meeting and the altar. Now, why, why would he do that? God instructed the priests. This bronze laver was created out of a material that actually the women would use as a mirror. They would, when they were moving around or whatever, you know, they'd stop and be like, how's my hair look today? Do I look good? Any blemishes, right? Check themselves out. This is the same material that was used for the priests. And God told Moses to instruct Aaron and all the generations after him. He said, when the priests come in, the first thing they are to do is to wash their hands and their feet before they go into the tent of meeting. And if they don't, they will die. It's pretty severe, huh? Aren't you so thankful you're not, like, under the mosaic law? I mean, seriously, I'm like, I would be, like, double dipping, maybe even triple dipping. Am I washed good enough, right? Am I washed enough? These priests would wash, and then they would go into the tent of meeting. They would go into the most inner place where the presence of God is. This is intimacy, you guys. This is intimacy. This happens simultaneously right now. We are living in the days of grace. We are under the new covenant. Whereas we are washed by the word, we are going into intimacy. And we can see the presence of the Lord. We can stand right before him. Listen to Hebrews 10, 22. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Wow. We can do that any time of day, but there's something very important that takes place during intimacy. We talked about the washing of the word in Ephesians. That word, word there translated in the Greek is rhema. It's the rhema word. When we take time and we linger in intimacy with the Lord, you get a, de- a, a descriptive or, de- um, let me say it this way, a specific spoken word, an utterance straight from heaven to you directly. See, the Bible, it's for all of us. This is universal. This is for everybody. It teaches us how to live. But guys, we're all in different situations. We're all in different seasons. And in order to have the Lord speak to us about our day, about our moment, about whatever we're going through, you have to take time. You have to linger in his presence and he will rhema to you. He will utter what he has to say to you. It's incredible and it's powerful. And I think too much of the body misses out on that, on the spoken word to all of you. This is how we do church. There's not, you know, like Pastor Kurt and Emily aren't just like, we're so brilliant in the way we put church together. I mean, they are brilliant. They're amazing. They hear the voice of God totally. But listen, we, um, we come together. Everything we do is based out of the word of God. From the opener, Pastor Ben gets a word from the Lord. He gets a rhema. Here's what the Lord has to say to you today. Pastor Greg, they put the band, the team, they put together a list of songs. Sometimes you will hear a rhema in the, in the worship. And that's why we leave time for ministry. We may not all need what the word that came up here for. 
but there's a rhema. God's calling you out. It's incredible. All right, but that was, we're going to go back to the wilderness for a minute. Not the bad wilderness. Back to see what Moses was doing, all right? Let's go back there. So we wash, the priests would wash before they would enter the tent of meeting. But then there was a second washing that needed to take place. Um, God told Moses, tell the priests also to wash before they offer sacrifices, before they burn anything on the altar, specifically a food sacrifice. Now, what does this mean? The priest's primary job was to serve the people, to serve the people. You guys, if we don't wash, if we don't let the word of God wash us, we are going to be ineffective to the world. We're not going to be able to serve people who come in our doors. We're not even always going to be able to serve you. And you guys aren't going to be able to serve each other. This is not just the job of pastors. It's not just the job of leaders. This is the job of every single one of us. We are called to serve. If you don't believe me, let's listen to James, because he will help us. <laughs> James 1, through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you mark in your Bible, underline that one. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror in that brazen laver. Hmm. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed. That's your promise. You'll be blessed. But what do you got to do? You got to look into the word. That word there, uh, do not merely listen to the word. That's where we're going to get our Greek word logos. Different than rhema. Again, that is the full word of God. It's universal for everyone. But it is also the name for Jesus. It's Jesus. In John 1, 1, Bible says, in the beginning was what? The word, the logos. In the beginning. And then you jump down to 14. And the logos became flesh and dwelt among us. You guys, the, the word of God and spending time in his presence should be like a mirror to us. Shows us how we're doing and how we're not doing well. You know, like times you're all, ugh, I don't look like you, Jesus, at all. Right? It's used to correct to teach. Actually, let's read it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The servant of God. That speaks about service. In order for us to be effective and equipped for every good work that God calls this church to do and us to do in our individual lives, we've got to be in the logos. We've got to be in the word so that we get the rhema and we are powerful and effective and blessed in everything that we do. Come on. That's good stuff right there, guys. That's so awesome. So here's some things. I, don't, I mean, this is what my Bible says. So I'm just going to throw out some things and let's see how we're doing. My Bible says to fear not. Don't be afraid of a single thing. My Bible says to be anxious for nothing. My Bible says in all things to give thanks, not just when it's Thanksgiving week. Come on. My Bible says to forgive. 
and that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and to keep evil talk far from my lips and my words have power and that Jesus redeems, rebuilds and restores and he allows me and you to partner with him in every good work. So what my Bible says is what your Bible says too, that I am a child of God and that I will bless those who persecute me and the list goes on and on and on. Here's one for all you young, amazing, wonderful people in the room. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Not perfection. Purity. By living according to your word. Young people, stay in the word. Pastor Ben and Steph and Marissa, you guys are killing it with teaching the kids the word. Stay in the word. Through intimacy in the holy place. We read the word, we study the word, we meditate on the word. It's a lingering process so that we are fully equipped to handle every and all situations as they come, to release power and life to those around us. This is our mandate. This is our service to the world. We owe it to the world to be in the word. It's so good for us. I mean, we need it for us totally, but this is how we're going to effectively change the world. I want to share a quick story with you guys, and then we'll begin to start wrapping it up. Um, about two years ago, actually, to the date, I think I've shared this story with some of the women in here, but about two years to the date, I was working at Good Samaritan in Loveland. How many of you are familiar with Good Samaritan? It's, a, it's like an uh, elderly retirement facility, and m- uh, many of the residents are like 80 and 90 years old. And so I was working for one particular lady, and um, she introduced me over the course of working for her to all of her, um, to all of her friends. And she had one friend whose name was Anne. And Anne was joy wrapped in skin. She was like the happiest woman in her mid-80s. I loved listening to her. I loved hearing her stories. She was just so wonderful. And she would always wear like yellow colors, like pastels, yellow, pinks, blue. Everything about her was happy. You looked at her and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. This is wonderful. And so one day, Anne trips and she breaks her hip. Okay, and as an 80-year-old person, really any time, that's a very painful experience. But um, they took her to the hospital. She was in the hospital for, I think, at least 10 days, maybe even longer, in excruciating pain and having a terrible reaction to the pain meds. She began to hallucinate, see things. Um, she's going, like, literally crazy. It was a terrible experience for her. She comes back to Good Sam, and then she spends another six to eight weeks in rehab. Rehab is like in this sterile room and you basically just wait on nurses and PT to come and tell you what to do. It was a very awful experience. So I hadn't seen Anne for a very long time. And one particular Sunday I went to work and my client was not in her apartment. So we went walking through Good, I went walking through Good Sam to see if I could find her. Now this is pre-COVID. Okay, so this is a hop in place, especially on a Sunday. These um, older people, it's when it's when they get to have a church service. So they get done with church and then like um, elderly adult children, not elderly, adult children, even adult grandchildren are coming to see, you know, grandma and grandpa or mom and dad. And they have this huge dining room that is not like first cafeteria. It's like legit. Some of you are all what's first cafeteria. Okay. never mind. Um, it's like, it's like a legit restaurant where waiters and waitresses come and take your order and bring you food. And so, um, it, it was just very, very busy. And I'm walking through the hallways, cannot find my client. Finally, I see her. She's sitting over in like a little nook off of this main walkway. 
And she's sitting there, and Anne, I see Anne sitting in a wheelchair, and she's all hunched over. I mean, it it was awful looking. And then Anne's son and her daughter-in-law are there. They're present. They're there to have lunch with Anne, but Anne is refusing food. Okay, when you get to that age in life and that stage, usually when you're refusing food, you're like, I'm going to partner with probably death right now. Like, I'm ready to quit. And when I saw Anne, I was like, I, I didn't even recognize her. It was not the woman of joy that I knew. And my client was like, Leslie, you're here. Come sit down. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to. It's a very depressing state. You guys, how many times do you not want to do what God's calling you to do? How many times are you like, this is not convenient for me, Lord? <laughs> I, just to let you know, right? But I went and I took a seat actually right across from, San, um, from Anne. There's a huge like, coffee table in the middle of us, a round coffee table. And I just sat there and listened to him talk for a couple minutes. And all of a sudden, Anne's eyes and her head, she looks up from the chair and she makes eye contact with me. She looks right in my eyes and she like spoke to my soul. And she said, help me. Help me me. And I'm like, oh no. Like the Holy Spirit came over me. Like if you've ever had the Holy Spirit just come upon you and you're like, I don't know what is going on. But I raise up out of my chair and I begin walking towards her and I'm reenacting what is going on in my head. It's like slow motion. My body is moving towards her, but my mind is saying, Leslie, what are you doing? You know, I have no idea what is going to take place. I walk over to her and I I kneel down next to her. I put my arm around her shoulders and I lay my head on top of her head. And all of a sudden, this this gush of tears just came out of me. I I began to weep over this woman. It was like I, I could feel all the agony, all the depression, all the loneliness this woman was going through. And I just began to cry. And she she just started crying too. She was weeping. And I'm like, Jesus, help me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But I'm just crying over her and praying over her. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says to me, he says, Leslie, ask her what I'm telling her. Ask her what I'm saying to her. So I'm like, Anne, you know, what's the Lord saying to you? What's he speaking to you right now? She's like, all of a sudden she straightens and she's like, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. She begins to say it over and over. Her posture straightens up. Jesus is the word. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I know that. That's great. Jesus is the word. That's amazing. Jesus is the word. And then she, she breaks again. She begins to cry, but it's not out of agony. Now repentance is flooding over her. She looks up at me and she begins to cry. And she said, Leslie, I forgot. I, I was in so much pain. I was so lonely. I was in so much agony. I was depressed. I forgot that Jesus is the word. I used to be in my Bible every day, but I left that. I like, I I walked away from that. I forgot. I've been so in my head and I can't even hold a Bible. I'm so weak. And she just began to let it out. And I'm like, yeah, this is repentance and it's okay. And I begin to pray over her like, Jesus, he's not mad at you. And he's right here for you. And he wants to speak to you. What happened? What happened in this situation? I was, I was willing to go and to, to operate in the logos. I was ready to serve someone. And within that, she got the rhema. 
she got the rhema, right? So we are sitting there and she's weeping and crying. And then my client, she's very familiar with me. She, we'd have a lot of conversations about the Lord. And so we have all these people, all these passerbyers walking by and they're like, is everything okay here? And my client's like, don't worry, she's just doing her thing. And I'm like, what is my thing? I don't even know what that means. But right, so we're, we're talking, we're praying. And then as, as, as she's repenting, as she's working through this, I look over at my client and I said, do you have those little pamphlets? We had just got done making little pamphlets that um, they would say like joy or healing or whatever. And then we just put a bunch of scriptures under there so that her Bible study could have a quick reference. I said, give Anne one of those, get her one of those. So my client's just smiling, okay, looking in her walker, getting one out. And then boldness comes over you. That's another thing you guys all are. It's what we should be. That's what we should be saturated in when we're in the word. This boldness comes over me. And I turn towards this woman's daughter and son-in-law who are older than me. I don't even know them. And I just look at them and I said, do either of you know Jesus? Kind of a question is that, right? And the son, it like throws himself back in the chair like this. I mean, like, would not respond to me. And the, his, his wife, she's sitting looking at me. She's all, yes, yes, I do. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to rebuke you and yell at you, right? And I said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be in the word every day. And when the Lord shows you something, you text her that verse. You give her something to meditate on. You dialogue with her because it is the word of God who's going to set her free. And it is the word who is going to restore life to her. And she's just like, okay, okay, I will. A few more weeks pass by, don't hear anything about Anne. And one day I take my client into the dining room and I open the door and off in the distance is this woman, not sitting in a wheelchair, standing in her walker and she's got her head back and she's laughing and the laughter's filling the room in her yellow sweatshirt. I walked over to Anne and I just looked at her and our eyes met and she didn't even need to say anything. I didn't need to say anything. It was just an understanding Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Logos word has done. Look what the Rhema has done. Look what Jesus did. He brought her back. Man, praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? This is what God wants to do in every single one of our lives. It's incredible. As we wrap this up today, I want to go back to the book of Nehemiah. Because this is powerful. Powerful what happens at the water gate. Nehemiah's job was to rebuild the walls and the gates. But there was another broken vessel that was very involved in this story. And that was the actual people themselves. They lost their spiritual identity. Their spiritual condition was awful. They needed to be restored. And God wasn't going to use Nehemiah necessarily. He did use him a little bit, but he brought in Ezra, the priest, And if you go to um, Nehemiah chapter 8, let's begin in verse 1. Let's read this. Man, it's powerful. It says, all the people came together as one in the square before the what? The water gate. Before the word. Before Jesus. The logos and the rhema. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest Uh, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read aloud from daybreak till noon. That's not a quick shower. That's some lingering. That's like five or six hours. He read aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the what? 
before the water gate in the presence of men and women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. And what this ended up doing is drawing the people to repentance. They begin to grieve and mourn over what they heard. Their spiritual identity was being brought back. They were remembering who they were. They were remembering the promises of the patriarchs. That's what was being read to them. And Ezra and Nehemiah were like, don't grieve, don't cry. Let's go party. Eat some fat. Seriously, eat some good stuff. Go eat a piece of cake. Let's do it. Yeah, right? Come on, repentance. Oh, man. It might be a minute, a moment of weeping. Oh, but the joy and the freedom that comes. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. We need to be a people who are in the word all the time. All the time thinking about it, lingering in it. It's not a religious thing. This is freedom. Talking with Jesus, dialoguing with him and letting him utter the words of heaven to us. I want to do something together, if you guys don't mind. Can you all stand up? We're going to bring this to a close. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read Ezra 7 to you as we close. I want us to posture ourselves in a way either to rededicate a commitment to the Lord of being in the word. There are many of you in this room, you're like, I'm in the word all the time. And awesome, stay in there, right? It's just kind of a, re, a reconfirming in your heart. Those of you that don't, haven't made this a habit, maybe you need a hunger to get into it. I want you to just open up your heart. I'm gonna read this to you and then I'm gonna pray for you. City Lights, we're gonna be powerful if we're people of the word. It says Ezra 7.10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statues and ordinances in Israel. Jesus, Lord Jesus, God, I ask that every heart in this room, Lord, would be bowed before you, would be purposed before you, God, that we would would right now in this moment On this very day, Lord, decide in our hearts that we will be a people of the word. That we will be a people who will seek your word, Lord. We will learn how to linger in your word and not just to breeze by it, God. Even when we come to those confusing or or hard parts in scripture, God. That we would instead be a people who would ask the questions. Who would ask for a deeper revelation. Who would ask for a deeper understanding, Lord. God, in this day, in this hour, with the words that were brought forth, Lord, we want to understand how the Holy Spirit works with us, God, and we want to partner 100% with it. We want to see your glory flood this earth. God, help us to be a people who are in, in the word, who love your word. We love you, Jesus. We give you the glory and honor for everything you have done today, God. Let city lights resonate, resonate the word of God all through Greeley. Mm. You, Jesus, are the one we love. In your precious name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. 
We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.